the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a ring of truth that is unmistakable Knowing that you cannot find them all And if you listen carefully And sometimes even if you don't You can hear that sound Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. Knowing that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead in just a few moments, he still felt their grief. He still experienced grief and sorrow with them. and all our affliction, he's also afflicted. And I think there's great comfort in that. And knowing that whatever I'm going through, the Lord understands and and the Lord in in some way, I don't exactly understand how, but some way he feels that same affliction, that same pain, that same sorrow. Today, Pastor Dan talks about God's heart for us, his children. Have you ever experienced grief or pain meant for someone else? They hurt so badly that you felt it also. A lot of people may think that God doesn't experience sorrow, but that's not so. When His children are afflicted with agony, He grieves with us. Even though He knows everything will work out exactly as He planned, He stands by us through our sadness. If you're going through trials right now, be encouraged that God feels what you feel because He cares for you so much. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 63, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Who is this who comes from Edom, with dyed garments from Basra, this one who is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength? Uh, Isaiah, as he writes this, he paints this picture of a watchman on the wall of a city in Judah, maybe the city of Jerusalem, looking southeast towards Edom, and he sees this uh, warrior coming out of Edom, coming in victory, this deliverer that we know is Jesus Christ, and he says he's coming from Edom, and he's coming from Basra, and he's heading up to Jerusalem. Isaiah 34, verses 1 to 7 It says, come near you nations to hear and heed you people. Let the earth hear and all that is in it, the world and all things that come forth from it. For the indignation of the Lord against all nations and his fury against all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them. He has given them over to the slaughter. Also, the slain shall be thrown out. Their stench shall rise up from their corpses All the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled up like a scroll. All their hosts shall fall down as the leaf falls from the vine, as a fruit falling from a fig tree. 
For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Indeed, it shall come down on Edom and on the people of my curse for judgment. And he goes on there and he says, the Lord has a sacrifice in Basra, down in Edom. And so he comes first to Basra. That's where the battle takes place. Another verse for you, uh, Micah chapter 2, verse 12. I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together like a sheep of the fold. The word there, the Hebrew word is Basra. Uh, The word Basra means the sheepfold. Like a flock in the midst of a pasture, they shall make a loud noise because of so many people. And so there again, it's talking about uh, the sheepfold, Basra, where he will gather his people, the children of Israel. Now look at verse 1 again and notice his garments are dyed from Basra. He's dressed in glorious apparel. He's traveling in the greatness of his strength. And Isaiah, the prophet, asks this question, who is this who's coming out of Edom, dressed in these glorious garments, traveling in the greatness of his strength? Who is this? And the Lord answers, the Lord replies, I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. And that, of course, is Jesus Christ. The one who speaks in righteousness, the one who is mighty to save. Then the prophet asks a second question in verse 2. Why is your apparel red and your garments like one who treads in the winepress? And the Lord answers his question in verse 3. I have trodden the winepress alone, and from the peoples no one was with me. For I have trodden them in my anger and trampled them in my fury Their blood is sprinkled upon my garments, and I have stained all my robes. His garments are stained with the blood of the nations that he judges and destroys in Armageddon. It's dyed red. In Revelation 19, we have a very similar description of Jesus when he returns from heaven. Revelation 19, 11 Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Very similar description to what we have here in Isaiah 63, the the robe dipped in blood and treading the winepress of the wrath of God. And in verse 2, why is your apparel red and your garments like one who treads in the winepress? And here the, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's speaking to the Messiah, Jesus. And Jesus says, I have trodden the winepress alone. And from the peoples, no one was with me, for I have trodden them in my anger 
and trampled them in my fury. Their blood is sprinkled upon my garments and I have stained all my robes. And so you see here, Jesus says, I have trodden the winepress alone. Jesus is the only judge. You know, it describes the armies of heaven coming back with him, which would be the believers. But it's Jesus who's doing the judging. He alone is the judge. You know, one of the things that we see here is that he alone atones for our sins. He's the only one that atones for our sins through his death on the cross. He's the only one that has died in our place. And here we also see that he alone will judge the world. So he alone atones for sins. He alone will judge the world at the end of the age. Verse 4 says, for the day of vengeance is in my heart. This is Jesus speaking. The day of vengeance is in my heart. And the year of my redeemed has come. And, And notice here, it's both the day of vengeance against the wicked. And it's the year, you know, the year of jubilee for the redeemed. It's describing one event. It's the day of judgment for the wicked. It's the day of salvation for God's people on the earth. I looked, but there was no one to help. And I wondered, Yeah, this is Jesus speaking. And I wondered that there was no one to uphold. You know, again, this is looking ahead to the tribulation period. It's looking ahead to the persecution of Israel and the Jewish people. And the Lord Jesus speaking here says, I I wondered. I looked, but there was no one to help. And I, I wondered. The word wondered here, it means to be stunned or to be appalled. And what what will stun Jesus? Doesn't seem like it'd be easy to stun Jesus. Right? You know, in the New Testament, there's only two times that we see Jesus marvel. Right? He marvels at the faith of the centurion who said, you don't need to come to my house. Just speak a word. You're a man under authority. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. He marveled at his great faith being a Roman centurion. And then we see him again marvel at the lack of faith among the Jewish people. It's the only time you see Jesus marvel. Here we see Jesus wonder. We see Jesus stunned. What has stunned Jesus During the tribulation. We'll look at the verse again. He's stunned that there will be no one to help. No one will intervene. On behalf of God's people during the tribulation. No one will stand up for them. No one will help them. They'll be on on their own so to speak. Alone. Facing the world. He's stunned by that. I looked but there was no one to help. And I wondered. There was no one to uphold. Therefore My own arm brought salvation for me. My own fury, it sustained me. Because no one in the world will be willing to stand up for the Jewish people during the tribulation period. Here the Lord says, I stepped in. My own arm brought salvation. My own fury, it sustained me. I have trodden down the peoples in my anger. I've made them drunk in my fury and brought down their strength to the earth. Speaking of the judgment. That will come now in verse seven, verse seven begins a prayer that goes all the way to the end of chapter 64. And again, the context is the tribulation period. And so this is a prayer that the Jewish people living in the time of the tribulation period that they will pray during the tribulation. 
Verse 7 says, I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord. And here the word loving kindness, it speaks of the the faithfulness of his love. Uh, Your translation might even say that his steadfast love. God's faithful to us. Even when we're not faithful to him, he's faithful to us. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m., I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he has bestowed on them according to his mercies, according to the multitude of his loving kindness. For he said, surely they are my people. Speaking of Israel, God hasn't forsaken Israel. Surely they are my people. Children, now watch what it says, children who will not lie. So he became their savior. He's describing Israel at this point as his children, my people and his children. He says, who will not lie. And that word lie there, it was used at the time to describe a tree that did not bear fruit. Remember in the Gospels, Jesus came to the fig tree expecting to find fruit on the fig tree, but there wasn't any fruit on it. And that's the idea with this word here that he uses, my children will not lie. They will not deal falsely. They they will not be deceitful. They will not be unfruitful. Uh, They will not disappoint anymore. Uh, They will not appear outwardly to have righteousness, but inwardly be full of corruption anymore. I read this verse and I think about that one day you and I, we're going to be with the Lord and we're going to be free from sin and we'll be free from corruption and we'll be free from disappointing, free from falling short, free from failing the Savior. And the Lord, this is what he sees when he looks at Israel, his children. He says, hey, you know, there's going to be a day where they're not going to lie anymore, where they're not going to disappoint anymore. They're not going to deceive anymore. Now look at verse 11. In all their affliction, speaking of Israel, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. Speaking of God. When Israel was afflicted, God was afflicted. God himself was afflicted also. Remember when, um, when Jesus appeared to Saul of Tarsus 
on the road to Damascus. Remember what Jesus said to Saul? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul was persecuting believers. He was persecuting the church. But Jesus said, why do you persecute me? Because Jesus was also persecuted. When his bride is persecuted, he's persecuted. He felt the affliction of the church experienced at the hands of Saul. Jesus suffers with us in our affliction. He suffers with us in our pain. When his people are afflicted, he's afflicted. You know, Jesus is not some kind of like disconnected, unfeeling God who, does, who doesn't understand what we're going through or what we're experiencing. When we're afflicted, he feels that affliction. When we suffer, he feels that suffering. When we go through painful situations, he feels that pain. Remember when Lazarus died and all of the friends and family of Lazarus were grieving and Jesus began to weep. Knowing that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead in just a few moments, he still felt their grief. He still experienced grief and sorrow with them. And all our affliction, he's also afflicted. And I think there's great comfort in that. And knowing that whatever I'm going through, the Lord understands. And, and the Lord, in, in some way, I don't exactly understand how, but some way, he feels that same affliction, that same pain, that same sorrow. Verse 9 goes on to say, And the angel of his presence saved them, in whose love and in his pity he redeemed them, and he bore them and carried them all the days of old. The angel of his presence, that's, that's a title for the Messiah. The Messiah saved them. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them, he bore them and carried them all the days of old. Speaking of Israel. But they rebelled and they grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned himself against them as an enemy and fought against them. You know, here God was loving towards them. You know, he was showing them love and mercy. And how did they respond to his love and mercy? They rebelled against him. Now watch what it says here. Don't miss what it says. They rebelled against God's love and mercy and kindness and grieved his Holy Spirit. And so what did God do? He turned himself against them as an enemy. And he fought against them. Isn't, I mean, isn't that awful? Just what it says? That, that here, uh, here God is showing kindness and mercy and love to them. He's bearing them. He's carrying them. And they respond with rebellion. And they refuse to turn back to God. They grieve the Holy Spirit. And so God, in the end, he ends up turning against them, and he actually fought against them. They caused Jesus Christ, the greatest friend of sinners, to turn against them by their rebellion. The one who loved them, the one who saved them, the one who carried them, ended up fighting against them because of their own rebellion. Much like a parent who has a rebellious child, right? And even though that, that parent loves the child and does everything they can for that child and provides for the child and cares for the child, sometimes that child is so rebellious and so into the rebellion 
that the parent ends up in a position where they're actually against the child and almost like an enemy to the child. And the child sees the parent as their enemy and against them. But it's not, it's not the parent's fault. It's because of the rebellion of the child. And here it's not God's fault that he ended up becoming the enemy of Israel and fought against them. It's their own stubborn rebellion that caused that. Verse 11 says, then he, speaking of the prophet Isaiah, then he, he remembered the days of old. He remembered Moses and his people. And the prophet said, where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who put his Holy Spirit within them? The the prophet Isaiah says, where's where's the God of old who worked in our nation in the past? In the Psalms, in Psalm 44, the psalmist writes, We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days, in the days of old. And the tone here is, we've heard about the way the Lord worked in our nation powerfully in the past, in the days of Moses. Where's Where's the God of Moses? Why isn't he working in our nation anymore? It goes on to say, who led them by the right hand of Moses with his glorious arm, dividing the water before them to make for himself an everlasting name who led them through the deep as a horse in the wilderness that they might not stumble as a beast goes down into the valley and the spirit of the Lord causes him to rest. So you led your people to make yourselves a glorious name. So now verse 15, Isaiah prays after remembering what the Lord did for the nation in the past. Now Isaiah prays, Look down from heaven and see from your habitation, holy and glorious. Where are your zeal and your strength? The yearning of your heart and your mercies toward me. Are they restrained? Isaiah says, I I know what you've done for us in the past, how you how you led Moses and the children of Israel out of Egypt. You did miraculous things, how you led them and saved them by your mighty arm. You parted the Red Sea. You drowned Pharaoh and his chariots and his army in the Red Sea. You brought them into the wilderness and you provided for them in the wilderness. You gave them rest. You led them. And then now he says, look down from heaven. It's almost like he's saying, where are you now? Don't you see us now? Why aren't you doing anything now? Where are your zeal? Where are your strength? He's speaking to the Lord. Where's the yearning of your heart? Where's your mercy? Are they restrained? Are you holding them back? You know, sometimes we can feel that way towards the Lord. Lord, there was this time in the past where you you so clearly worked in my life. You so clearly provided for us. You so clearly did this. I saw your mighty hand. I saw your mighty work. Lord, do you see where I am now? Do you see what's happening in my life now? Where are you? He asked. 
We're so glad you joined us today for Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear additional teachings from this series, they're available to you for free at calvaryec.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. That way you will have access to each message as soon as it's made available online. That website again is calvaryec.com. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, we'd love for you to worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. Again, that phone number is 410-491-4592. We look forward to you joining us as our guests. And please, take a moment to introduce yourself to Pastor Dan after the service and let him know you listen to Ring of Truth. With that, our time with you has come to an end today on Ring of Truth. Join Pastor Dan next time for more from this verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of Isaiah right here on Ring of Truth. It's true.